All right, Missionary Enterprises, Missionary Aid International once again, and uh, in association with King Gandalo, uh, Kai Gandalo Scripture Union Association, uh, we're in Nankoma, Bugiri District, Uganda, Africa, and uh, this is back in Bugiri, but it's a little bit different place, but uh, different people, but this is with our brother, Apostle David in uh, Uganda, and uh, actually, this uh, I'm just going to show my. I started playing. Uh, I just started showing my flags. I don't know how well that's going to play. <clears throat> I started playing. I uh, showing my flags uh, on my live streams, and they like it. And just add a little bit to my live streams, and of course, because there's no images on there, and we're just posting them on uh, YouTube. That's fine. We're making podcasts out of them. And um, so I really enjoyed doing this. I really did. Uh, I, I don't say that with all of my videos, but I mean, I did enjoy this. Uh, the, the, the feedback was really good. Uh, young people, of course, this is with Scripture Union, so they're into the Word, but uh, you can tell they're not into the Word as much as they should be. But who is, right? Um, but it was good. It was really good. I was encouraged and uh, going to be doing more in Uganda. Um, Kenya, I got a, I got some uh, got some good invitations for Kenya for online. Of course, uh, traveling, of course, they're always there. But to online, I do. But it just seems to be going in the Ugandan direction at this time, and so we're going with that. And the notes are just coming together. I mean, I they're just coming together. I hardly have to do. A, I just got to get my fingers out and type things out, and uh, so they're coming together. And of course, everything's based upon the word. And uh, so, anyhow, this is really good. Uh, they asked me actually. They actually asked me regarding revival and restoration. All right. So, anyhow, we'll unpack that. And I think I did a good job. I think the Holy Spirit really was in this to help us see really what uh, what what is what. <laughs> So how to live, I wrote here, uh, my title is How to Live in a State of Perpetual Revival and Restoration. The Lord had given me that years ago regarding living in a state of revival, uh, in a state of revival, even though revival is not really what he's looking for, but, you know, he'll meet us where we're at. So I wrote here, um, we need to ask ourselves this simple yet key question, why do most, if not all, revivals come and go? I mean, they just show up and then they seem to disappear. Even after maybe a year or two, they just seem to disappear. Even after five years, they seem to dissipate, you know? So most revivals show up unannounced, yet they end up disappearing. Why is that? Uh, we will try to answer that very question today in this teaching, all right? So first of all, we need to realize that the word revival uh, which I'm not a big fan of, but the Lord has even used it with me. Uh, revival is nowhere to be found in the New Testament. Neither Jesus nor Paul nor any other biblical um, writer encouraged prayer for revival. I tell you, it's true. You know, uh, revival is a word that developed in church history, not in the church origin. Nowhere in the New Testament are we told or encouraged to pray for revival. Don't go looking for it because you will not find it, all right? So, article, really good article I came across, really encouraged me, uh, right down my alley, basically. The article is the Old Testament concept of revival within the New Testament. So, I'm going to make the A and B here. This is coming out of uh, this article here. We should not seek to experience revival without anticipating true 
Reformation. There you go. So that really got my attention right there. Hence, the term revival is not adequately used in our time unless it's marked as Reformation and guided by the Word. There you go. That's on page 46. So I wrote here, I found this to be very interesting since I am a true reformer called of God to bring a reformation to a broken church. That's that's verbatim from the Lord. And because of this, I teach more in reformation than revival. All right. Personally, I have no interest in revivals. That's just my personal opinion. And this is why I say that we need to get back, get the word back into the church and the church back into the word. Rightly divided, of course. Uh, we need to get back into the New Testament and not so much the Old Testament since we are New Testament saints. We're uh, post-cross and not Old Testament saints pre-cross. All right. Even the disciples, believe it or not, the early disciples, before Jesus went to the cross, they were pre-cross. They weren't pre-cross. They weren't post-cross. They were pre-cross. They were basically Old Testament saints. They really were. Until you're born again. All right. All right. Number B here, I wrote the New Testament concept of revival is practically wiped out. It really is. First of all, there is a certain difficulty about defining the term revival. It really is. If not carefully defined, it can cause confusion. Secondly, secondly, uh, since the concept of revival is mainly based on the Old Testament, it is necessary to consider in what way the Old Testament conceives of the concept of revival and then to compare it with the new concept, the New Testament concept. The thesis of this article in that the Old Testament concept of revival as defined as presented within the context of the Old Testament is not entirely applicable <laughs> to the New Testament church. No kidding. This was great. The guy knows what he's talking about. This is very well said, I wrote here, and stated meaning I fully come in agreement with these comments. I really do. <clears throat> so I wrote here, you are the ones that asked me to do a revival, a teaching on revival. Okay. So I was talking to them, right? The people there, the young people. And, and most probably that's because you heard of the revival that is taking place uh, and had been taking place at Asbury University in the state of Kentucky, USA. It was all over social media, but lately I've been, I've seen nothing, next to nothing uh, about it. Why? Why? All right. Where did it go or what happened? I'm not, I'm not, I'm going to tell you exactly what God is looking for. I'm not against revivals. I'll tell you, God can do whatever he wants, but I'll tell you, it's got to line up with the word and uh, we're going to look at that. Okay. We're just going to look at that. All right. We're going to unpack that a little bit. So I wrote here, according to church history, all right, which I'm a big history buff. I was anyhow. <laughs> The church has experienced these three types of moves of God or visitations, if you want to call them that, as some would call them. So first of all, we have reformations regarding reformers. We got Luther, Knox, Wycliffe, so many more. I've done a whole series on ref re reformation, uh, especially for the, the French churches in uh, the Congo. Number two, we have awakenings. We have awakeners, Whitfield, Wesley, different guys like that, types of guys like that. And we have revivals, revivalists, such as uh, Charles Finney, Jonathan Edwards, whatever. All right. So let us, so in context of what I just said, let us look at three key verses. All right. Uh, regarding reformations, awakenings, and revivals. All right. So Acts 3.19, Amplified, we're using Amplified here. Acts 3.19, so repent, change your mind and purpose, turn around, return to God, that your sins may be erased, blotted out, wiped clean, that times of refreshing, 
uh, of recovering from the effects of heat, of reviving with fresh air, that's all in parentheses, uh, may come from the presence of the Lord. Okay, so here, because of the word refreshing, all right, the Amplified added the word reviving, which is the closest we've got to the word revival. Now, uh, I think it's Craig Baroker, his ministry uh, on TV, on television, uh, Miracle Channel was, I think it was called Times of Refreshing, and it, it was good. It was He had some good teaching. He's got really good things to say. Ephesians 5.14 Amplified, Therefore he says, Awake, O sleepers, talking to believers here, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall shine, make day dawn upon you, and give you light. All right, so therefore, so I wrote here, this is the closest we've got when it comes to the word awakening, all right? Yet the word arise also carries the idea of revival. So we got awake and arise. So to arise, it carries the idea of revival in there, all right? To awake, when you wake up in the morning, you get out of bed, you rise up from bed, okay, but spiritually also. But the word arise also carries the idea of revival, it does. Uh, note also this verse, this epistle was written to the saints. All right, therefore, some saints need to wake up and get up, all right, from their spiritual slumber and stupor. Not stupid, but stupor. Anyhow, sometimes I call them stupid, but anyhow. Hebrews 9.10, for the ceremonies deal only with clean and unclean meats and drinks and different washings, mere external rules and regulations for the body imposed to, the to tide the worshipers over until the time of setting things straight, of reformation. Most translations, King James, New King James, is strictly reformation, but the Amplified's got it right here, until the time of setting things straight. I love this word in the Greek. It's powerful. Of the complete new order when Christ the Messiah shall establish the reality of what these things foreshadow. It says here a better covenant, but it's not a better covenant. It's a new creation. I should have put that in there, but I said it. So the mention of Reformation is not exactly what we have experienced in church history regarding here in Hebrews 9.10 when it comes to reformers and their reformations because this is talking about the coming of Jesus, the cross, everything that took place at the cross, uh, the plan of uh, salvation, redemption, reversal, riddance, the whole thing, all right? The whole gamut. All right, so let's get into this part here. What is God really looking for? The restoration, I wrote here, what is he looking for? I'll tell you what he's looking for. He's looking for the restoration of the life and ministry of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, God's firstborn son from the dead upon the earth. All right, so let me unpack that a little bit. So this word restoration means an act of restoring or the condition of being restored, such as a bringing back to a former position or condition, reinstatement. And that's what he wants to do with the life of Jesus, his ministry, the gospel of the kingdom, the, 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 the activities of Christ it talks about in the four gospels. And of course, there's so much more, but that's a big part of it that he wants to restore back upon the earth in the church, the body of Christ. Wow, what a novel idea. We are the body of Christ, so the body has to imitate the head. Hey, all right, I didn't come up with that, he did. As God's children, we need to see what he sees, what God sees, and know how and what he thinks so that we can cooperate with him. A lot of people don't believe in that. That's their problem. Many in the church don't believe in cooperating with God. That's what I said. Because of this doctrine of God's sovereignty, meaning he can do whatever he wants 
to do wherever he wants to go. He can do whatever he wants. Wrong, 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 wrong. The moment God created man, it says right there back in Genesis, God created man, let us create man in our image, and then let us man, let us give man the dominion, all right? So he basically gave his sovereignty over to man. Mm, boy, I'm going to get crucified for that one <laughs> by, by fellow Christians, not by the heathens. All right, what we read about Jesus and his first 12 disciples in the four Gospels. I just want to make sure that I didn't skip a page here, and I don't think I did. Let's go back here. No, no, no. Yeah, Gospels. God wants to restore all of that when it comes to discipleship, all right? The healings, the deliverances. I said here, the restoration of the gospel, the kingdom of God. That's what he wants, all right? In other words, it's not about awakenings. It's not about revivals. It's not about reformations. Yet, we may need these three to bring us back to where what God has in mind for his church, the body of Christ, all right? So, what Jesus told his first disciples to do is for his body today, going to all the world, the whole thing. He prepared them for it. He really well prepared for them. All right, so we're way off on that one. I mean, what we need is people to walk as Jesus walked, as leaders, and then they can make disciples where they're imparting into them what they're walking in themselves, because that's what Jesus did, right? They saw him healing. They saw him casting out devils for I don't know how long, at least a year, anyhow, every day, teaching them on the side, spending time with them, eating with them. And then after that, they had a certain amount of faith built inside them to go and do likewise. And that we're supposed to be doing that. It has not changed at all. So we got to work with the leadership, all right? But also the body. According to Jesus, the head of the church, the kingdom of God has a gospel, meaning it has good news, all right? And like Gary says, I don't see a lot of good news in the church today. And we need to know what it is and what it looks and sounds like, which is everywhere in the four Gospels, I'll tell you. Jesus constantly put on display for all to hear and see what this Gospel was, and so must we as his body. Uh, the reign, the dominion, the authority of God has good news for sinners and saints alike. What is part of that good news? Deliverance from demons healing all manners of sickness and disease, raising the dead, causing the blind to see, the mute to speak, the deaf to hear, the lame to walk, and so much more. Did you, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be honest here, I'm gonna be transparent, uh, it's not a problem with me, but at one time, the Gospels meant nothing to me. In me, it was all epistles, 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 and reading a lot of good books, all right? But then God changed all of that for me quite a few years ago. In the epistles, more into the epistles than ever before, Still into the Greek and all that Hebrew, uh, but boy, oh boy, the four Gospels, yeah. So, especially with that, the nations will open up to you because of my healing power. Well, you want to see healing power? I mean, you have it in the book of Acts, absolutely, but man, read the four Gospels. It's everywhere, all right? And people don't believe in healing today, divine healing today. You'd have to rip pages out of the four Gospels. You believe that? Wow. Here are some of the key verses regarding what God is still looking for today in his church, his children, the new creation. All right? So we're going to look at some of these key verses. I'll unpack that a little bit, and that'll be it for today. Let's look at Romans 8, 14. For all who are led or habitually, in the Greek, present tense, by the Spirit of God are sons of God, not children of God, sons of God. It is God's perfect will for each one of his children to be habitually led 
by the Spirit, as Jesus was continually and habitually led by the Spirit in everything he said and he did as God's firstborn son, according to his humanity. The more we learn what it takes to be habitually led by his Spirit, the more we will be walking or yeah, we will be going towards walking in our sonship, which is what God is looking for above everything else. That's what he's looking for. I've said this many times. It's not about revivals. It's not about reformations. It's not about awakenings, but it's all about sonship. And you want a great verse? You want to see sonship at its best? It's Acts 10.38. All right, look it up. Start confessing it because it belongs to you. We have the very same spirit as Jesus had, all right? That's all there is to it. We have the very same spirit that Paul had, uh, Philip had, Stephen had. The first uh, the first disciples had him, but not in the way that we have as the indwelling Holy Spirit. God wants to do the very same things by his spirit. He was able to do with Jesus, all right? Let's, that's the bottom line of it. This is what needs to be restored back into the church, onto the earth, all right? We better get at it quick. God has not changed, nor his word, nor Jesus, nor the spirit, but the church has changed for the, for the worse and not for the better. God loves his children, but he expects them to grow up into their full maturity of sonship. That's what he's looking for more than anything else. All right, another verse here is Romans 8 19. We're still in Romans 8. Uh, I got the New King James and then I got the King James because they use two different key words. Uh, um, same word in the Greek, obviously. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly awaits for the revealing of the sons of God. The revealing, but the, the, the King James has the manifestation of the, the sons of God. Not the children of God, the sons of God. I wrote here, God wants to reveal and manifest his sons to the world of atheists, agnostics, in the very same way that he was able to do so with his firstborn son, Jesus, the last Adam, all right? What we see in the four Gospels, we need to see that upon the earth today, in all areas of life, in all the nations of all continents. And see, as, as God is able uh, to get his sons to be revealed, he gets to reveal himself through his sons, because that's what he did with Jesus, because Jesus said, I only do what I see my father doing. Wow. So when he was doing whatever he was doing, he was just doing what, what so when they're jumping all over him, say, hey, you're doing this, you're doing that, he said, hey, I'm only doing what I, my father was showing me. And that's exactly what we have in John 5, if you read the whole context, John 5, 17, 19 to 20 and 30. So let's look at 17 and 19. But Jesus answered them, hey, that's after he did a healing. All right, he answered them, my father has been working, has worked even until now, has been ne never ceased working. He is still working and I too must be at divine work. So Jesus answered them by saying, I assure you most solemnly, wow, I tell you the son is able to do nothing of himself, of his own accord, but he is able to do only what he sees the father doing. There you go. So he's putting the blame. He's put the blame on God. No, he's not putting the blame on him. He's just saying, I'm just doing what my father's showing me. All right? So you got a problem with that. Just take it up with him, not with me. For whatever the father does is what the son does in the very same way in his turn. So note, now how we see Jesus interacting with his father in his humanity should be no different in the way we interact with the father as his sons and not his children. All right? The Father has work to do or to get done, and as Jesus was fully preoccupied with that work, those work, so must we. That's found in Ephesians 2.10, right? We're, we're, we're uh, saved unto good works, right?
Verse 20 and then 30, the father dearly loves the son and discloses to shows him everything that he himself does. Wow, the father's doing things before Jesus did them, right? So we got to find out what God is, the father wants to do and he will disclose to him, let him see greater things yet than these so that you may marvel and be full of wonder and astonishment. Verse 30, Jesus says here, I am able to do nothing from myself independently of my own accord, but only as I'm taught by God and as I get his orders, even as I hear, I judge, I decide as I'm bidden to decide as the voice comes to me. So I give a decision and my judgment is right, just righteous because I do not seek or consult my own will. I have no desire to do what is pleasing to myself, my own aim, my own purpose. Wow. But only the will and pleasure of the Father who sent me. All right, that's an ambassador. That is, you want to you want to see an ambassador, and we are ambassadors. We're, we're supposed to be ambassadors, right? According to 2 Corinthians 5. So I have two notes here. This is the only way that God gets to work his own works. All right. Even in verse 20, it has may marvel and be full of wonder and astonish, astonishment, which is exactly what we see when Jesus was healing the sick. They're all wondering, they're all wow. You know, Matthew 9, 8. And Matthew 15, 31 is just two examples of many. Uh, next one, my note here. Verse 30 is massively massive, as well as greatly lacking in the overall body of Christ. And all of this belongs to us based upon John 20, 17. You've got to read John 20, 17. That'll help you understand our relationship with God as our Father, as our God, as Jesus. It was regarding his humanity after the resurrection, calling his disciples, no longer his disciples, but his brethren. Wow! This is Jesus according to his humanity so that we can imitate him, so that we can have the very same kind of results and fruit that he had. Jesus was God the Word absolutely before he became Jesus, and this is the head of the church speaking. He's speaking as the head of the church. I can't do nothing of myself. Wow, except for what I see first the Father doing, all right? So I wrote here the four Gospels as well as the book of Acts, called also the Acts of the Holy Spirit, including the epistles, are all for today. They're just for today. We have many local churches, uh, many local churches, ministries, Bible schools, but there is only one church and one body. All right, we're almost done here. Last page. It seems to me that the overall church is looking for or asking for something from God that God is not able to give us because of something he's already given or done for us at the cross regarding this new creation. And that is a big part of sonship, all right? The new sonship, you can even call it that because Adam, right, was a son, uh, Luke uh, 3.38. Many children go to their parents asking for certain things that are not bad, but good. And their parents are willing to give these things to them. Yet there are things that these same parents are looking for in their children, which is for them to grow up, all right? And I see this with God many times. I see this with God many times. If you read the epistles carefully, carefully, all right, um, you will soon find out uh, this is true and this is the case with God wanting his children to grow up into full maturity of their sonship, to walk as Jesus walked. Basically, that's what he's looking for, all right? Ephesians 4, 12 to 16 is a perfect example of that. There is a distinction between being a child of 
of God and a son of God, even in the natural. Uh, imagine if, if each believer walked in what Jesus walked. What kind of planet would we have today? It would be a whole different ballgame. I'm not saying there would be no sin at all. I'm not saying the devil would not exist anymore. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that what we see in the four Gospels, if we saw that today, what would it look like? Wow. All right. Well, that's what he's looking for. At the end of the teaching uh, that I did for the brothers in, uh, in Uganda, during a, a short Q&A time, someone asked if the word revival had anything to do with someone getting saved, as in reviving someone, which was a good and fair question. All right. So I said the closest reference we have regarding this, regarding the word revival in with someone getting saved, is found in Titus 3.5. And they didn't even know what, where that was. So anyhow, we helped them with that regarding the word regeneration, but alongside the word regeneration there, we also have the word renewing. It carries the word, it carries the idea of revival because especially even with the word re, right? Revive, revival, regeneration, renew, right? Meaning again, right? Re-mean, re-mean repetition or again, whatever. Uh, coupled with the word renewing and why, and also we have the word washing in there by the Spirit, right? And of course we have made, and of course we have the words made alive in Ephesians 2.5. These two references, uh, Titus and Ephesians, these two references are types of, quote, uh, re-vive. Yet to you, the use of revival, according to church history, has been associated with a dead church or backslidden carnal Christians needing to come alive, once again, coming alive to God and their relationship with God. So that is it. It was kind of short and sweet. Lots of stuff in there. So as I finish all my videos now, I encourage all of you to learn what it takes to walk in the fullness of your sonship by learning to walk what it takes to walk in the fullness of the grace of God as well as in the faith of God because it's faith that gives access to the grace of God and we got our sonship back because of the grace of God. Shalom and amen.